Uh, and Ryan spoke to us about why it's important for us to be thinking about this issue of um, why does it matter that we look at our lives and the pace at which we live at our lives, the issue of busyness, in what way is that connected to relationships, to your relationship with God, to your relationship with other people? Um, and, and Ryan sort of drew out a, 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 just a lot of the why. Why is this an important issue for our, our spiritual lives? If, if you haven't um, listened to it, it is online. Please do so. Uh, Ryan left the question of, okay, let's say we all know, yeah, we're convinced we are too busy and this is an issue we might need to look at in our lives if that's you. I don't want to assume that it is. What do I do? What are some practical things that I need to look at implementing into my life to kind of address this issue? That's this Sunday. Now, there's no way we can do justice to all that this book has to say about this issue. Um, we're really only flagging the book and the issue with the hope that for those who feel truly convicted that you want to look at this issue further, that you would do so over Christmas, over New Year's, January, when life slows down, that you would consider uh, grabbing a copy of this book. There's there's going to be a couple up the front here, more than happy for anyone to grab either copy. Um, if you're not really busy, please don't grab a copy. <laughs> we sort of want to leave these two for those who, who are really busy. It's okay if you only intend to read it perhaps after Christmas. We know that now is the busiest time of the year. Nobody has the time now to read a book and rethink their lives. Let's face it. So why do we do this series now? We just want to park the issue there early. We don't want to get to this next year, February, after school started and everybody's back to the busyness without having thought, hey, how's 2023 going to be a little different perhaps? Without having sat and perhaps read this book, if you're not a reader, podcasts, in the newsletter this week and next week, you'll find the links to Spotify, to Apple Play. There are a lot of free podcasts of this author on these issues. If you just listen your way through those, you'll get a good idea of what this book is about. There's a workbook as well that we've attached to the newsletter that um, is quite detailed about, you know, it's called How to Unhurry. This is sort of the, the resource to think, help you think through the how to. Well, how do I do this in my life? for your family, for yourself, for your small group, perhaps. You might even delay this to the start of next year. Work your way through the book and, uh, with this as, a, as an accompany, accompanied resource. Our aim is for you to really work your way through this, not to preach our way through this over a number of weeks. It's, it's pushing the promotion of the book, which Ryan reminded us we don't get anything for. Um, there's no, no money in it for us, um, so to speak. Right, today's, kids, I'm going to invite you to do something in a minute. Um, today's theme then is, how do, we, how do we go about looking at the issue of busyness and hurry in my life? The book suggests four practices that we can look at. Silence or, or, or solitude. I'm just going to flick them on the screen for us.
Silence, solitude. Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing. So there's a chapter of each of these in the book. Today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Sabbath. I'm not going to talk about silence, simplicity, and slowing because I think Sabbath is the bedrock. It's the cornerstone of all of it. If, if we get Sabbath right in our lives, the others are more likely to succeed. And so, uh, yep, picking a little bit of an insight on one of the four, but again, really, all four together, if we can grow in them, this is kind of what we need. All right? Uh, that's where we're going to focus today. Now, kids and adults, everybody, anybody, if you like to draw or doodle, I'd like you to come to the front. You, you can sit around the table here, or I've also got some clipboards. Um, if anyone likes to draw and doodle, but you don't want to sit at the table, you can grab one of these clipboards with, a, with a, just a grey lead and take that back to your seat. Um, yeah, kids, I'm going to trust you that I can handle you here. Otherwise, I'll ask, you can only come with a parent to the front. <laughs> um, but I'll ask the parents to help me throughout the message um, to, uh, to do some crowd control. Sorry, Jazz, there's more. There's more and there's paper coming. Please, um, do you mind handing them to Reggie for me? Um, and paper is here. I do know what you're going to draw. Yeah, adults, please get in on the action here. It's for anyone who needs to do something with your hands while you, while you listen. Um. I need you to draw for me, kids, a... Either your family or, or adults, draw for me your family or draw for me your favourite group of animals. Right? So if you say, I love dogs, draw for me a litter of puppies with a mum. Or if you say, I love leopards, they're solitary animals, so it's a bit harder. Draw for me a group of leopards, or draw for me your family, or a, or a school of fish, or a flock of birds, or anything you like in, that, in those two departments. Just draw for me a picture of that. If you can work on that quietly, and then at the right time I'll call you to show them to the rest of us uh, in the room. Everybody good with that? Yeah. Totally. You can draw whatever you like. Yep, yep. Anything that you stands out to you and you want to capture in a picture, go for it. All right. That's where you can find your resources. Anybody tell me, what do these pictures perhaps have in common? What's one thing they, they have in common? Relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyable? Some of them are enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Serenity. Yes. Yeah, no, you're kind of straight into it. Savoring. Satisfaction. 
Each of those pictures, really when you think about it, speaks of, of experiencing, encountering something that is satisfying. Whether it's the, the Kit Kat you're having, whether it's the view you're enjoying, whether it's the restful environment on the new couch you bought from Harvey Norman and your lounge room that you've set up the way they tell you, or the Greek island when you're sitting and looking out over Mykonos and so forth. These are all ads, right? You know what they're trying to sell you? Rest. They're trying to sell you shalom, is the biblical word. A sense of deep-seated Oh, man, I'm satisfied. I'm at rest. What peace. Shalom is the closest English word is peace. This is what they're selling. Now, the difficulty with this for the human, like you and me, is this. The question is, what would it take for us, for you, for me, to feel truly, permanently, entirely at rest, satisfied. Here's a quote from one of the great Christian thinkers throughout history. His name is Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> everything. We would have to experience everything and everybody and be experienced by everything and everybody to feel satisfied. Eat at every restaurant. Actually, Thomas Aquinas didn't say that. This is Mark Comer. Eat at every restaurant, travel to every country, every city, every exotic, exotic place, experience every natural wonder, make love to every partner we possibly desire, win every award, climb to the top of every mountain, own every item in the world, and so on and so on. The point is, we live in a, chronically, a chronicle state of unsatisfied desires as human beings. <laughs> it's what makes... Capitalism work. <laughs> Upspending. How do you fix the problem? You don't pitch to what people need. You pitch to what people desire. You convince them that they're unsatisfied. And if they have what you sell, they might just get a slice of that piece. <laughs> Which brings us to the question as God's children, What rests us? Where do we go for shalom, for satisfaction, for, 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 for peace? Okay, now you're going to say Jesus. Yeah, we're going to get to Jesus, but I'll tell you our gateway to get Jesus in this issue. It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. The word Sabbath literally means to stop. In its most simple sense, it is a day, a 24-hour period to stop working, yes, but far more importantly and far more deeply to stop wanting. Stop worrying. Stop. 
more than that. It's not just a day. It's actually a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of satisfied restfulness that comes from abiding and living in God's loving and satisfying presence all week long. That is the Sabbath. Straight up, there are a lot of questions that jump into your mind and mine. You know, our question is, is this a literal 24-hour period? Is that what we're talking about, or is that Old Testament, if you know your Bible well enough? Do we need to do this in a literal 24-hour period? Christians think about this differently. The author of this book thinks, yes, it is. I think he's right. I think that's the aim. I think that should be our aim. Which floods a lot of next questions in your mind. Well, which 24-hour period is it going to be? Right? I think of... The original Sabbath was a sort of a Saturday day. Jewish people and Seventh-day Adventists in the Christian circle do it on a Saturday. Early on, Christians changed that to the Lord's Day, a Sunday. I think both are fine. I think if you can't do a Saturday or a Sunday, it could be a weekday. I don't think there's prescription in the Scriptures on what 24 hours you need to pick. But I think there's strong, strong weight to say that if we were to set aside each of us, us and our families, 24 hours to stop, we would be better off. And I'm going to show you why. Because <laughs> your next question is perhaps, what do I do in these 24 hours? See the resources, please. That's where you will get a lot of guidance and help of what you might do in the 24 hours. All right. These are the questions that I want to acknowledge at this stage. We're going to answer some of them in a minute. But I, before I answer the questions or you read the questions of why I should do this for 24 hours, I just want to use my next five minutes to talk about will it be worth it? Is it worth your while to go through the pain of changing your life to observe a 24-hour rest period every week? Is it worth it? I mean, is it possible is one question, but is it worth it? That's the biggest question. Let me speak to that question by reading to us a small section from the book. Not a whole chapter. I'm not going to be as ambitious as Ryan. Um, although that was an excellent chapter that Ryan read. Here are some verses from Genesis that I'm going to pop on the board and then I'm going to read... A few pages. Everybody happy? You still with me? All right. This is the, titled, In the Beginning. The story of the Bible starts with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but after six days of hard work to get the universe up and running, we read the following. By the seventh day, God had finished what he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy. There are three words in that last passage I want you to take note of. The first word is rested. The next one is blessed. The next one is holy. Okay. Did you catch the first one? God rested. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really into the Sabbath. I'm an extrovert and I, I just like to stay busy and God rested. 
I get the Sabbath thing, but I work a demanding job that I love, and I just can't make the time because God rested. I've got three little kids at home. They're busy. It's not really doable right now. Maybe later when God, who made the kids, rested. (laughs) And in doing so, what God did was he built a, a rhythm or a beat into human existence. Now, I was going to do an activity, but I might skip it for time. Is that okay? For, about a drum and all that. But, but I was going to get someone to play the drums on a beat, and we all start to clap in a sync, and it gets to a beat and a rhythm. And you know what that does? It's constructive. It gives our mind space. It, it reinvigorates what music is supposed to do. And then straight after that, I was going to say to this drummer, or to Alf, if he could help us, just smash those drums randomly everywhere, and everybody claps and yells everywhere. You know what that does? It's exhausting. It's chaos. It's draining. It's anxiety-inducing. It does not reinvigorate. It does not give you energy, because energy and peace is to be found in a rhythm. And so God gives us gives himself the seventh day to rest. Why? Because he creates a rhythm for life, for you, for me. It's not that God was tired. God doesn't get tired. It's not that God was exhausted. He needed to stop and replenish his his, his, his depleted energy. Not at all. No. It's to bless us giving us a rhythm for life. More than that, what the writer of Genesis means by rested carries with it a different meaning. Sabbath means to stop, yes, but it also means to delight. It has the dual idea of stopping, but also of joying in God and our lives in this world. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to Follow God's example, to stop and to delight. Delight in the world, delight in our lives in it, and above all, delight in God himself. So if you're new to the idea of Sabbath, a 24-hour period where you stop, maybe a question to give shape to how you might do that is this. What could you do for 24 hours that would fill your soul with a deep and throbbing joy? What would make you spontaneously combust with wonder or gratitude and praise? Dan Allender, another writer, writes this in his book called Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday if Saturday is your Sabbath. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness, worship. Few people, listen to this, few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight every seven days is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. 
And all this is rooted in God. He rested. He stopped. He set aside an entire day just to delight in his world. That's rested. Let's move on to blessed. There's two things in the creation story that God blessed. The first is the animal kingdom. The next is people. So kids, can I ask you a question? I can see some beautiful animals. Anybody draw a family? Oh. Yeah, that's cool. You don't have to be finished. I'll just sort of have a bit of a look-see. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Anna's drawing her family. Her dad looks especially handsome <laughs> in this drawing. Can anybody tell me as you're drawing, what do these two things that you're drawing have in common? What, 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 do, what do a group of animals, a group of humans have in common? These are, the, these are the things so far God has blessed. He blessed the creation, animals. He blessed the people. What do they have in common? It's more than one of them? Yeah, yeah, yep, good one. They can enjoy God's creation. Yes, yep, got it. They're living beings, yes, so, so we're getting warmer. Yep, all great answers, you're all correct. Family, yes, family, they're living things. What can animals, being living things, and people do? What do they have the capacity to do that non-living things don't have? Sam? Praise God, absolutely, yes, yes. Rest, be together, yes, something else, something else. Eat. Have babies. They can create life. <laughs> they, God says to them, be fruitful, multiply. I'm putting in you the ability to, the fancy word is, procreate. From you can come life. Life itself can multiply and become more and more and more out of you. And then the fascinating connection comes. God goes, he blesses the Sabbath. Do you know what they tell us about the Sabbath? It has the capacity, the God-given capacity to create in us life. <laughs> life. I get emotional because we, we've, we've been given this, but we don't tap into it. Your and my ability to, to Sabbath, to stop and to learn how to Sabbath is not out of the niceness of God. It's the fundamental vital importance because in your Sabbath, you receive every seven days, you should, <laughs> the restoration or the reinvigoration or the procreation of the life that God intends to give you. Isn't that astonishingly beautiful? I have had to learn over many years how to, how to Sabbath, I'm not there yet, but I've learned this one thing, that if I do this in the way that I think God has helped me to do it well, on a Friday, there's a bit of a ritual in the morning, and it usually involves me being grumpy and needing to be left alone and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like so stupid because I go this, I should be doing this or doing that or going here or doing that. The sun is shining 
And I need to constantly go, no, no, no. Stop, slow, pray, stop, slow, pray. And I do that, I'm grumpy and I don't like it. But do you know what happens every time, almost without fail at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just before the kids come home and it's family night. It's like a switch that flicks on. I go, I'm well again. I had to learn to put in my calendar out of this experience. I used to mark this day Sabbath or, or, or rest. I've started to mark it healing. I need healing every seven days. You do too. And every seven days, we who long for the divine, for God to work in our lives, he will. He seeks to. And that's why he gives us the Sabbath why he blesses it to say here it is you will have life in this right and then the third thing is holy Um, this is a very quick one Um, not only does God bless the Sabbath he makes it holy this would have been very strange for original audiences to read this you make a temple holy you make a thing holy a a building we don't but or, or a book or a holy shrine or a holy something a holy item That's what most religions do. What does the God of the Bible do? He makes holy a day. A period in time and space. If you want to encounter him, you need to step into the holy space. What is the holy space he's given you and me? The Sabbath. (laughs) we want to have God's deepening, life-giving, revitalizing work in our lives, we have to Sabbath. We have to learn how to Sabbath. So all of that to say, if I can sort of bring us to to, to somewhat of a close, um, this whole idea of Sabbath is not about box-checking or rule-obeying. No, it's about so, so much more than that. And I I just trust that in some small way we, we, we get that this morning. I believe that you'll have many questions that are still quite unanswered. The reality is that Sabbath is something we need to learn to do. It's, it's, it's a verb. You, you weren't born with the innate ability to pray well. You had to learn. Sabbath is the same. You're going to have to grow, little steps, practice, adjust, review, readjust, see how it works for you. It's going to have to change through your phases of your life, Right? But my encouragement to you is let's have a crack at this in 2023. Try it for longer than a day. Prioritize it. Put it in your calendar first and be ruthless. Yes, we need to make exceptions. This weekend I went camping. I didn't really rest on the camping trip. But it was worth it. Next Friday, we'll Sabbath again. Right? It might come at some sacrifice and cost. And I'm not talking about money, because none of what we're talking about really involves money. But it's the cost of saying no to some things or some people, maybe even things at church. You may need to be okay to adjust your expectations, right? But in the end, it will be worth it. All right, can I now draw us to the Lord's Supper? I want us to... um, I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to ask for the bread and the wine to be handed out and then we'll uh, 
I'll just say a few more words as a, as a conclusion to the message as well. So just please pray with me. Father, it's, um, it's true that most of us as your children would have to acknowledge that this is not a strength of ours. It certainly is not a strength of our culture. And we, in very many ways, would have to say this is where we need to grow the most as your children. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would, from this point on, so move us as we think, as we reflect on you, what it means to live as a child of yours, how to live our lives well over next year perhaps. Help each of us by revealing to us just the steps we need to take. What are the things that we might need to try? And when we struggle and when we, when we don't like it to begin with because we're so accustomed to not resting that we reject even the good that you seek to give, help us to persevere. Help us until we get more of the great glory of what this should mean for us. I pray for those for whom this might be extremely difficult. Whether it be of circumstances, whether it be, uh, yeah, just of the way you've wired them, help us, help all of us. And in it, Father, may the result be that we truly enter in lived experience, the rest that you've purchased for us on the cross. May it give us life, revive us, restore us, and let us abide in you, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, can I ask for the bread and the wine to be handed out, and then we'll, uh, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, and then we finish with our final song.
Thank you, everyone, for helping to hand these out. I just want to, as a way of sort of almost completing that message, I just draw our attention that it's very easy to preach a message like this and you may hear a whole pile of things that you need to do in your lives in order to be a, a good Christian or, or, or that somehow there is a, a class system that for those who've learned to Sabbath most, they're more Christian than you are or that somehow this is an achievement thing. Well, don't get me wrong, if you've learned to Sabbath well, you will reap the rewards, there's no question about it. But, but, but I just want to angle in on a very, very fundamental truth this morning. We don't need to learn to Sabbath in order to have the rest that God has come to give us. Your rest has been earned. You, in a sense, you already have it. The, the, the wondrous thing about the cross is that, is that Jesus cries out, as we sung earlier, it is finished. The restlessness is finished. The worrying is finished. The angst is finished. He rises to life to say that all satisfaction, all shalom, all peace is yours. And your and my learning to Sabbath is simply to simply to step into it. Step into the rest that He already has earned for you. You're not working to earn the rest. The rest is earned. You're simply responding to receive it. To live in it. It's yours, right? And so can I please... Just draw attention to the glory of the cross in earning our rest. And so I'm going to read the verses again that we began the service with and then we're going to eat and drink this together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's eat together. And we can drink as well. Jesus, we thank you because you're a good God. You've done all that is necessary. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your gift. Now help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we're going to respond with our final song and then I'll bless us out after that. This song is titled, All That We Need. And uh, may the words sort of strengthen uh, that reality for us today. Thank you.